0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, March 23rd. We begin with a look at the current impact COVID-19 is having across the nation. We get an update from Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block, who is currently in self-isolation.
1: Next, we look at the need of Calgary's most vulnerable during the pandemic. We're joined by Stephen Weil, CEO of The Mustard Seed.
0: The economy has taken a beating over the past few weeks, and it's a tough go for many families across the city and across the country. We get some timely tips from BDO Debt Solutions on what you can do to help your
1: current situation. And finally, we head stateside to look at the massive impact COVID-19 is having on Americans. We talk with Global News Washington correspondent Reggie Cicchini. Well, the federal government is rolling out its $30 million anti-COVID-19 ad campaign today. The multimedia ads in English and French will feature the chief public health officer, Dr. Theresa Tam. She urging Canadians to keep their distance from one another and to practice good personal hygiene. Hopefully we've all gotten that message before today. The ads start, though, the day after the country registered another 141 COVID-19 cases, raising the number across Canada of confirmed and presumptive cases to 1400 We just talked about it. Uh, The Prime Minister expected to speak today at 9 a.m. our time. Parliament is going to resume tomorrow so the House of Commons can debate and pass emergency legislation to help Canadians cope with this crisis. And uh, plans could allow the government to make some changes to employment insurance benefits, among other things. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting because uh, every time uh, the Prime Minister speaks or... uh, You know, Finance Minister Bill Morneau, we had him last week. We will be breaking in. So we've got you covered here on the morning news. You're not going to miss a thing bringing to you uh, those conferences live. And, again, at 9 a.m., we'll be all about that. Uh, Closer to home here in Alberta, we have the update from yesterday. And, again, a tip of the hat to AHS doing what they can. Uh, 33 additional cases of COVID-19 have been confirmed in our province, Mm -hmm. bringing the total number of cases to 259. And uh, you know what? Uh, We have 164 cases in the Calgary zone alone This is a category we don't want to be leading the charge with in the province, but, but we do
1: it's you know the province has been great Uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw hasn't she just been the voice of calm and she's been fantastic speaking and doing a daily update and we get uh, emails every day from the province just talking about you know the number of cases what they're doing how the province is acting and reacting and uh, yeah so that's what we're seeing right now of the cases uh, that Andrew mentioned 18 here in Alberta currently hospitalized seven have been admitted to intensive care one patient only has passed away the number of confirmed confirmed recovered cases three and uh they are continuing to watch that in hopes that those numbers obviously will go up and that the number of sick per day will come down i know you've been really doing the math andrew and keeping an eye on that side of things
0: Uh, you know you you try to look at it and again uh, without uh Uh, I I like what we, when we talk to Jackson Proskow, who says, you always have to talk about what's reported because these numbers change so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a nation, our size, when you look at between 20 and 22, let's say, because there's also some confusion because a Canadian has passed away in Japan of COVID-19. So we're hearing stories about that as well. Um, But about 21, and for a nation our size, it shows that we are trying our best to flatten the curve. Obviously, we can do more, but uh, we got to keep it up for sure.
1: Well, we have a a new perspective from Ottawa. Mercedes Stevenson is back, and uh, I believe she's in self-quarantine in her own home. Mercedes Stevenson, of course, Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Hi, Mercedes. Hey, Sue, how are you? Sorry, uh, there are technical issues
2: in the new Ottawa Bureau oh, here. No, no worry. You <laughs> can we're... imagine. And no tech support here with me. I bet.
1: We're having the same. We've uh, Andrew and I were in the same room for this entire time. Everybody else had sort of been spread out and sent to their own home studios. We were in the same room until today. Now we're in separate rooms and can't even see each other. So I, t- I totally feel your pain. Everything is changing for all of us, isn't it?
2: It is uh, a very different world. Let me tell you, Sue, there was, there was sort of a strange feeling Coming home, I was in the U.S. I wasn't down there on vacation. It was essential travel. I had to go, um, and coming home, uh, when you know everything has changed, um, and not being here for that transition, and talking to uh, you know my other friends in the bureau and uh, the wonderful people who run resources and IT and all of our technical stuff at Global, our engineers about how do we work in this new environment and we have multiple reporters who are filing from home it's a totally different thing Mm -hmm. Uh, we couldn't just say okay we're all gonna self isolate and not come into work we have an obligation we're reporters we have to do this we have to report the news but how do you do that in a way that is both safe for the public who don't want us in their face and we don't want to get too close to them uh, and also for the people who are working in the industry how do you cover a pandemic um, when you're not out in the field in the way that we're used to be. So it's a really new challenge. It's a really new experience. Um, hearing the Prime Minister tell Canadians to come home while you're out of the country I, has a, a, a really profound impact. It's, it's you know emotional in a way that I certainly didn't expect it to be. I've never been so happy to see the border in my life as mm-hmm. when I came back across super easy to cross. They ask lots of questions about COVID-19. But uh, I I can tell you that being in the U.S., it it was a very different experience watching this go on at home, but not actually being here. So I'm, I'm very glad to be back.
0: And, of course, you're back and you're uh, self-isolating as we speak. We've been told to socially distance. We've been told to stay in our homes without the uh, exception of me hitting the grocery store, the pharmacist, or the doctor's office. Uh, but Health Minister Patty Haydu taking a hard line against Canadians who are disobeying the public health measures. In fact, saying that uh, stronger guidelines could be put in place if uh, the guidelines currently, in effect, are disobeyed. What are you hearing?
2: Yeah, so there's, there's some frustration, right? Because they're trying the to get people to adjust to the new normal, and everyone understands it's an adjustment, but it's, it's not a choice. And people who say, well, this is just a bad flu, well, well, no, it's not. The death rate is exponentially higher than the flu, particularly in the elderly. Um, and you know, just seeing this person and, oh, don't worry, I know them and they're not sick... Um, it's not about whether or not you know you're sick because you can have symptoms with, or, or pardon me, you can have symptoms that are not COVID-19 and you can have no symptoms and still have COVID-19. Um, and it's also about the fact that you can pass it to somebody who is immunocompromised or has an underlying health condition or is elderly. So you and your friends might be okay, but that doesn't mean that somebody's grandmother or elderly parents will be. So they're trying to get people to stay home of their own volition. Uh, but yesterday the health minister said, look, if people can't figure this out, they are looking at the possibility of fines or the possibility of even criminal charges because this is a very different situation than we've been in before and people choosing to go out there and and break what's being asked of them can in fact endanger a lot of people's lives very quickly.
1: And Mercedes, that leads me to my next question with the Prime Minister speaking today, 9 o'clock our time. Do you suspect, is that what we should be anticipating, that there are going to be tougher rules put in place and maybe a state of emergency federally that would maybe limit our movements a little more because people are clearly not getting the message?
2: Well, that's one of the questions. We don't have any sort of signs that that is what's coming today. Uh, The big thing is, of course, tomorrow the House is coming back to sit. They're going to pass that emergency legislation that all the opposition leaders have agreed to to start getting money moving uh, and people getting access to EI. But the remaining questions for the federal government that they're going to have to decide in coming days is precisely that. Do they call in a federal state of emergency? Do they invoke something called the Emergencies Act, which a lot of your listeners probably remember as the War Measures Act? Uh, Last time we saw that was the FLQ crisis, and that's when Pierre Elliott Trudeau talked about there being soldiers in the streets. It gives the federal government absolutely extraordinary, basically wartime powers. So it's not something the federal government wants to call in lightly it also has an interesting criteria that basically the provinces have to no longer be able to handle the situation themselves. So, you have some provinces declaring states of emergency, but not all. The federal government and the provinces are trying to work together. So, I suspect that if you see that called in, that would likely be also after a lot of talks with the opposition leaders, a lot of talks with provincial leaders. It could happen, but at this point, the federal government is saying they're just not ready to go there yet. They're not seeing signs uh, that it's time
1: to go that far. Okay, well, we'll be watching it. Maybe the provinces need to kick in some more rules. Who knows, but uh, the, pro- the Prime Minister speaks at 9 o'clock our time. We'll be watching it and no doubt be checking back in with you. Have fun in quarantine, Mercedes. Thanks, Sue. Stay safe out there. Mercedes Stevenson is our Ottawa Bureau Chief for Global News and host of the West Block. on your Monday morning, difficult time for all of us, but the Mustard Seed is launching a relief campaign right now to help our cities less fortunate during this COVID-19 pandemic. Joining us with the details is Steve Weil, the CEO of the Mustard Seed. Hi, Steve. Hi, good
3: morning, Sue.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to us a a bit about this campaign. What are you doing to help our folks that are uh, less fortunate in the city?
3: Well, the people we serve certainly are the most vulnerable in these kind of times because most, uh, many of them have have significant health issues just to start with. They would be in the high risk category. So uh, a lot of what we are doing is trying to create appropriate uh, distancing for for them uh, as we serve uh, as as they come to our shelter as we work with them downtown. Just making sure that we're really aware of uh, if there are any. You know, significant issues that they're that they're that they're facing. So, so this uh, this uh, pandemic relief fund that we've started is designed to uh, collect funds so that we can serve this population uh, effectively.
0: I understand. Besides monetary donations, Steve, and also uh, some supplies, and they're quite simple supplies, but uh, supplies you might not normally be donating to the mustard seed. Uh,
3: yes, exactly. Uh, typically, we don't ask people for masks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, here we are asking for for masks because um, there seems to be a short supply around hand sanitizer. As you know, ma- you know, many people are looking for those in the grocery store. We're also looking for those. We don't have a supply of those cleaning supplies. We've got about a a two week supply of uh, cleaning supplies right now, and so we're looking for those kinds of things. In addition to you know the typical things that we look for, we're asking for uh, you know toothpaste and and soap and uh, uh, those, those types of things are all, uh, all really valuable to us at this time.
1: Who are you see, seeing, Stephen, right now coming into the mustard seed? Are you seeing a different group or, or is this the same sort of, uh, you know, group of vulnerable citizens that you normally see?
3: Oh, that, that's, a, that's a great question, Sue. We, right now, most of the people we're really focused on are, 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 are our core um, clients. Uh, though we we recognize that in the weeks to come, there are going to be many that are experiencing financial difficulties, and our expectation is we have a responsibility to them as well.
0: You mentioned something earlier in the interview, Stephen, and that was the social distancing, but the fact of the matter is you only have so much space. That must be one of the greatest challenges at this time as well.
3: Yes, it is, It is, Andrew. One of, one of the things we're doing starting tonight is... Uh, Uh, The province has asked us to implement a one-metre distance between each mat. So that takes our shelter down from 370 mats down to 220 mats. And so we're in a partnership with First Alliance Church, and we will be using their church as an overflow for uh, the rest of our clients uh, through the, the length of this pandemic.
1: Steve, I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, empty office buildings, empty hotels. Are those options for some folks who, you know, the homeless uh, as a whole, but also other people who might find themselves now without a roof over their heads?
3: Uh, yes, absolutely. And some of uh, some of the other uh, providers for our homeless sector are using hotels, um, and we're we're focusing they're focusing on some of their high risk. Uh, clients to get them into a safer environment and and we're looking at that as well but uh, at this point uh, we're we're you know trying to make this option work but uh, you're absolutely right Uh, there is there are a lot of uh, empty hotel rooms and and it is a potential solution
0: well thank you for uh, shedding some light on it Stephen we appreciate it
3: you're very welcome
0: That is Stephen Wiles, CEO of The Mustard Seed. And if you can help out, hop online, theseed.ca.
1: Coming up on 8.12 now on your Monday morning. And these are concerning and uncertain economic times for sure. There is no doubt the COVID-19 crisis is going to take a financial toll on many households. For those struggling, we have some help from BDO. Joining us is Marie Kozlowski, who's the VP of BDO. Hi, Marie. Thanks for joining us. Good morning guys. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. A difficult time for a lot of folks. What what can BDO do to help anyone who might be struggling in their household?
4: You're absolutely right. Um, this pandemic and all the additional economic impacts of the the energy sector problems are really uh, creating significant problems for many Calgarians and there are many um there are options for them. Now, we do know that um, already uh, our own BDO affordability, affordability index tells us that more than half of Calgarians are having a hard time just meet, meeting housing costs, um, utility costs, but surprisingly enough, over 30% are struggling with the cost of putting food on the table. We also know that small businesses are laying people off. This is all you know, uh, factoring into the stresses that uh, individuals are um, encountering. and I, From my perspective, I don't see it changing for a period of time. Um, There are lots of additional things they can do. Um, The the government has announced a financial aid package. That's readily available online, and I won't go into the details of that. But there are some measures they can take personally. Uh, Right now is the best time to assess your current financial situation. Do you have any savings? Um, What income will you continue to receive? What debts do you have, and what are your monthly payments? And now is a great time to either create a household budget or to review it so you can trim expenses and be frugal when you go shopping. Mm-hmm.
0: Maria, you know, to, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off. I want to, I want to get back to that plan because uh, that is one of the things written down. And I know BD, at BDO, you folks are really big on, on the plan. But it could be daunting for some people who have not had to uh, even look at a plan or, or write things down until this time. How do you get past it being a, a daunting task?
4: You know, you have to take it step by step. And you have to put aside that you know you might consider it to be daunting. It's as simple as a pen, a piece of paper, or a spreadsheet. And if you there is if you if anybody needs any additional help in just kicking off that process, they can call us. Um, we have um, people, people available at one eight five five BDO debt, or you can go to our website at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. You have to remember this. Uh, creating a budget and trimming your budget. This is not a forever budget. This is just a budget to weather this crisis. And once you've done that, you'll be able to to see that perhaps you need some assistance from um, the people who provide you with credit. You can contact the banks regarding the mortgage deferrals. You can ask them for relief on any other credit products you have. You know, that includes negotiating a lower interest rate on credit card debt and perhaps negotiating lower monthly payments. None of that, you can do readily without actually putting your own plan in place.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And you absolutely have to remember, you know, communication is absolutely key.
1: So we've got a budget in place. Any other tips? Do you have one or two things for us that we might be able to sort of implement, you know, even starting today, just easy ways to, to ease us through this crisis?
4: Absolutely. You know, if you're in, you're in a situation where you have, you're feeling overwhelmed by debt, think the first step would be to consider what credit you've got available. But if you choose to use that credit, you must use it very, very carefully because you will have to repay it. And as I said, then you can contact the banks regarding your credit products and how they can help you. Um, if some, some people may simply feel totally overwhelmed. They may recognize that they will never be in a position to recover given the fact that perhaps they've got a temporary layoff or a permanent layoff. You know, under those con- situations, They simply need to contact a licensed insolvency trustee uh, such as BDO. We have available to us a number of debt solutions which we can assist them with. Um, Like all, many other businesses, our BDO offices are closed for the safety of our clients and our staff, but we are available remotely. Everything we could do in a physical location we can now do remotely. So we can offer, you know, uh, telephone consultations by appointment and we can set those up very readily and that can include what solutions we can offer but also guide an individual in uh, in the right direction in terms of setting up a budget or contacting their credit grantors etc so they should call us and uh, the 1855 BDO debt phone number is I think 24 7. And debtsolutions.bdo.ca has a number of different options and information there that is very valuable. And people should, should, should use it, you should access it, take a look, and, and have a go yourself. And if you just, as I said, feel overwhelmed, simply call us. Um, you can call me directly at 403-777-9999, and I'll do my absolute best to try and point you in that direction or talk to you about certain debt solutions that we can offer.
0: Well, thank you for your time and your insight, uh, oh, We, you're we most, appreciate it.
4: You're very welcome. You know, these uh, uncertain times are very emotionally and financially okay. stressful for, pe- for people. We, we feel for them. Um, you know, and if they, as I said, um, need additional help, yeah. we're there to help.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
4: And you're most welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: That is Marie Kozlowski, VP at BDO Canada.
1: 849 on your Monday morning at Calgary Craft Brewery. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic has come up with some other plans for their empty vats. Annex Ale Project will be producing around 7,000 cans of hand sanitizer every week to help restock our empty store shelves. Joining us to talk about the details is owner Andrew Bullied. Hi, Andrew.
5: Hi, Sue. How are you?
1: Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. So are your is your brewery closed down, or are you just using a few extra vats to make the hand-sanity?
5: Well, our uh, our production has really uh, fallen with COVID-19, uh, with all the bars and restaurants uh, being closed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're deciding to uh, repurpose the brewery and our packaging facility to be able to make hand sanitizer.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, tell us about the challenge, because obviously it's, it's not something you normally do. How much time did it take to get things up and running?
5: Well, we're still trying to get things up and running. We don't plan on having production coming out until uh, until Thursday or Friday at this point.
0: That's so close. Um, but, you know, we're working
5: collaboratively with um, two distilleries in the city, so Confluence Distilling and Two Rivers Distilling and a couple other breweries to help make wash and distill ethanol for us so that we can get this blended up into hand sanitizer.
1: Is this something that was a request from the province for you guys to be able to do this, and are they helping you out in any way?
5: This is something that we decided to do on our own um, to try and meet the, um, the critical shortfall that we've gotten hand sanitizer in this province. Um, we've had a lot of interest from, um, well, pretty much everyone. You know, the city, WestJet, mm-hmm. um, oil companies. Uh, we're going to be making a lot of, um, a lot of the product that we're making is going to be donated to the food shelters, the women's shelters, um, uh, sorry, the food bank, the women's shelter, um, homeless shelter, the Alex, um, the people that really, really need this and uh, a lot of the frontline workers.
0: When you, got in, when you got into the brewery business a couple of years back, did you ever think you'd be in the Hansani business?
5: I, uh, I didn't think it was going to go this way, but you know what? I'm, I'm just happy that uh, we can keep our staff employed. and We can do this quick pivot and hopefully uh, make something of value for, uh, for, for Calgarians.
1: Smart way to do it, Andrew. I mean, there are so many companies that are having to lay off their people. And this is a way, as you mentioned, you know, to keep all of your folks busy and do something good for the city, but also keep your, your, your company moving and making money.
5: Well, you know what, we're trying to we're trying to keep this price as fairly as possible just to make sure we can get hand sanitizer on the hands of those who need it. Um, we like being able to keep our staff employed, to keep, mm-hmm. them, uh, keep them off an already uh, burdened system. And uh, you know what, if we can, we can do a little good here in the, the process, we're happy.
0: And within the process, you have to, you know, I'm sure you have the canning and bottling. You probably have to have a whole new system to package the hand sanitizers well ready to go.
5: Actually, what we're doing is we're using the equipment that we currently have. So... Uh, You know, this is like old school wartime measures. We are uh, we're packaging this hand sanitizer into beer cans and we're labeling it properly. Um, But these are going to be sold as a hand sanitizer refill kit. So we want to make sure that people are keeping, you know, keep those hand pumps, any soap pumps you might have. Um, This product needs to be transferred into another vessel. Um, so that the uh, the ethanol doesn't um, doesn't vaporize.
1: Okay, makes sense. Andrew, in the meantime, are we able to to purchase your beer and help you know help you in that way? Because I think everybody's really looking for ways to help local companies as well keep afloat.
5: My recommendation would be to um, you know support um, local breweries and local distilleries um, when you're picking up uh, product at the liquor store. Um, many of the local breweries and distilleries have pivoted to start doing home delivery. so, um, it's easy enough to find your favorite local business and just ask them for home delivery because most of us are just trying to keep, uh, you know, um, a little bit of revenue coming in.
0: Keep doing what you're doing, and I'll tell you, we'll look for those cans. Keep your refillable containers, those cans of hand sani. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Bye-bye. That is Andrew Bullied, owner of Annex Ale Project. Annexales.com. 7.10 on the morning news, and as we like to do, uh, unfortunately more often uh, lately than uh, than ever, Reggie Cicchini is a Global News Washington correspondent. We'd like to check in with Reggie. Good morning, Reggie. Hey, good morning. Uh, and again, under the circumstances, we, we love the information you bring to us, but it's, it's very hard-hitting in the USA right now. In fact, we're hearing, and I like how uh, both you and Jackson say reported, because these numbers are moving and changing so much, we're hearing more than 30,000 cases in the U.S., and now New York State has the dubious distinction of overtaking Washington, the state, with more cases and, unfortunately, more deaths.
6: Absolutely. I mean, overtaking by a long shot here because New York State is now reporting ten times the number of reported cases than Washington State or California, increasing that number by about four thousand over the weekend to a reported total now of uh, 15,000 just in New York State alone. This is why you are seeing Governor Andrew Cuomo put an increased uh, call and more pressure on the federal government to do more to assist uh, the healthcare system across New York State, but particularly in new york city uh where resources are being stretched incredibly thin right now
1: reggie yesterday donald trump did a very long and and sometimes very rambly press conference but he did talk about a 1.4 trillion dollar economic aid package but it looks like the democrats don't like it and they're holding it up what's going on with that
6: yeah, that bill failed in the Senate last night. Republicans weren't able to get enough Democrats to get the 60 votes needed in order for that to pass. And Democrats say that there was simply not enough in that bill to uh, provide assistance to the average American. Uh, included in this $1 trillion bill was almost $500 billion for large corporations and large corporate bailouts. And that includes uh, the airlines, which we know, you know made significant profits and then used all that money for stock buybacks. And Democrats say this lesser amount, that went to uh, Americans 350 billion dollars or less simply won't do enough to a keep businesses afloat right now, but B potentially keep businesses afloat after the threat is over. and Democrats said that there weren't enough protections in there for Americans so they they went against it uh, kind of putting things into a scramble. They're going to do a second attempt at a vote in about half an hour ago right uh, half an hour from now right after the market's open. Uh, but it's it's unclear if enough Democrats are still going to be on board.
0: The financial aid for citizens and, of course, the businesses. And obviously, when it comes to medical supplies, we we heard a a dubious uh, stat last week that was uh, two to three weeks is how much longer, for example, New York State had when it comes to their medical supplies on hand.
6: And, and that's a number that is being echoed across the United States. The president yesterday during that news conference had said that the federal government has now unlocked uh, a number of rations that were kind of sitting behind lock-in key uh, to assist the New York, uh, New York State's health system. And that includes hundreds of thousands of masks and gowns and just uh, under 200,000 ventilators. Uh, but there are questions being raised as to why this wasn't unlocked earlier when the need was being called for at the very beginning of this crisis, but also a couple of hundred thousand masks and gowns for New York City, where there are tens of thousands of healthcare workers is a supply that is going to dry up very quickly. And then what happens after that? The president does have powers to compel uh, corporations to start manufacturing goods. He hasn't used that. And there are now increasing questions as to what happens two weeks from now when the government supply simply dries up.
1: Reggie, are Americans taking this more seriously and staying home? Because, boy, when you look at the press conference yesterday, Mm -hmm. all the media packed together in one room with the president and the vice president. That just doesn't seem very smart.
6: No, I mean, it's not a it's not a a good optics situation when you see everybody in these small rooms. But, you know, unfortunately, without the media being there, uh, you know, in even lesser numbers than they are, it's hard to get a broad understanding of what the president is and is not, or at least is trying to say. Uh, But the message is not being broadcast loud and clear. Look, there are a 100 million Americans under some form of statewide lockdown right now across six or seven states. Uh, But then you see pictures over the weekend from Florida, where the beaches are still packed with hundreds and thousands of kids on spring break simply saying that they don't want to have to go inside the republican governor ron DeSantis, not making any moves to put any kind of statewide lockdown in place and this could pose problems down the road florida has the oldest population in america if you put this many young people or younger people onto a beach where a number of them are now testing positive after hanging out in these crowds this could be potentially deadly for the rest of the state's Mm. population in weeks down the road
0: And we've talked about, it's now certainly on the back burner, the primaries, word that they could be in limbo. What's going to happen as far as moving ahead with the election? Are we going to put a pause on that?
6: Well, you know, look, the election uh, for all the hype that it had up until a couple of weeks ago has essentially fallen off the map. We rarely hear from someone like Bernie Sanders. We do not hear from Joe Biden anymore. And the Democratic National uh, uh, Committee simply says that they're going to take things step by step. There have been a number of states, including Georgia and Louisiana, who were set to have primaries in the next couple of weeks. They are going to be held off. Uh, we're waiting to see if Hawaii is going to hold off on theirs, which is set to happen in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Dr. Fauci and the medical team around the president are saying this could last four, eight. 12, possibly 16 weeks. The governor of New York says this could last into the fall if it's not dealt with properly. So this is an unprecedented situation where I think that there's going to be a uh, a concerted effort to kind of look at this a few weeks from now to see whether or not that A, the primaries can go forward and B, whether or not this is going to impact the general election later this year because this is just a situation that the U.S. has not been in before.
1: I don't know how he could not feel the pressure and the tension of it all, but does it look like it's getting to Donald Trump to you? Because, I mean, he was sure impatient and insulting to that reporter. I think it was on Friday. When given the, the easiest softball in the world, you know, what would you say to people about the seriousness of the situation? Instead, he got angry at the reporter.
6: And look, this is what we see, uh, what happens to the president. He's unprepared for a situation, and then the situation has to become the fault of anybody else. And the president has already said numerous times he will not take responsibility for anything that has happened right now. And you can tell that this is starting to get to the president. Look, Dr. Fauci gave an interview over the weekend uh, to a science magazine, and on numerous uh, different questions had to kind of throw the president under the bus saying, look, the president says this. I can't throw him out of the way. I just have to correct what the president says afterwards. The president is his own messenger. He's been uh, making factually incorrect statements about drugs that are going to be potentially used as possible treatments for this virus. He's been making incorrect statements on the severity of this virus. And he instead of backing down and apologizing, he just has to throw it back into the face of somebody else because that's just his leadership style. And that's why you see the media making this big point. Pull- Push against him even with these softball questions to try and get him to say anything because we are getting so many mixed messages from the top levels of this administration
0: and we'll have another press conference i'm sure from the president in a few short hours uh, thanks for your time this morning reggie
3: thank you